<laughs> and definitely different lives, <laughs> but both loving the Lord. Oh, page nine in our books. What we think about friendship. I think it's the blue section, or purpley blue. Or you might have different color, I don't know. Um, Well, okay, I'm going to turn it on. I'm going to start recording. It's, thank you for coming to the 2023 Ladies Repeat Retreat. It's so nice to see so many friends today and new people and from far and wide. And it's a privilege to be here. It's an honor. And I want to thank all of you, all the men and women too, for being involved and making this day happen. And I hope it's special. I hope you women all feel treated special today. And I hope you find hope in the Lord. Um, today's topic is in our series our th- of the power of our thoughts is what we think about friendship. And Philippians 4, 8 says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, th- whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good report, think on these things. And let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your word this morning, and I thank you for the messages. And these are not our message, mine and Carol's messages, but these are your messages. And hopefully they will uplift you and, and uh, help me to uplift you in my, the words and bring forth your word in the way you, they need it. And for the ladies to find hope and encouragement in their friendships. Um, what comes to your mind when you think of friendship? Something, someone we have something in common with, like hobbies, or we both work at church, or we both uh, go to, have the same job. For example, skiing, sometimes we have the same hobbies. Running, biking, cooking, crafting, crocheting, knitting, maybe card making, books. Maybe we're both trying to lose weight on the same diet. Um, maybe we have the kids that are the same age, sports, or the kids are in the same school, neighbors, and family. These are all things that can start friendships. Some are more like acquaintances, and some become close friends over time. Sometimes we lose friends to moving, changing jobs, changing schools, or the worst, we disagree, or we just grow apart. But I've never heard anyone say they'd wished for fewer less meaningful relationships. Each one of us longs to be connected more deeply with friends. God wants all of us to have thriving, healthy relationships. And if you'd like a friend, I have just the friend for you, the best friend, the most loyal, faithful, compassionate friend. On the night of his crucifixion, gathered his nearest and dearest friends around him. He had something very important to tell them. And he wanted them to know how much he loved them and to abide in his love and to love one another. And most importantly of all, he tells them that you're my friends. Let's turn to John 15, please, and read verses 9 through 15. 
As my Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends. If you do whatever I command you, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things I heard from my Father, I have made known unto you. When you put your faith in Jesus and his finished work, we are his friend. And the Lord doesn't hide anything from his friends. And it speaks of intimate relationship. So we can forgive because we see how we are forgiven. We can love because we see how we are loved by the power of the Holy Spirit. As believers, if you are not seeing your need of Jesus Christ, you're not going to be abiding him in him as a close friend. This is a moment-by-moment decision. And if we fail, there's God's grace and there's God's mercy to renew us, to help us grow in our walk with the Lord. And as we all have heard, it is line upon line, precept upon precept. You usually have friendships all your life, from very small in kindergarten to after graduation and college. And for me, now in my 60s, that used to sound so ancient when I was young, (laughs) I remember a cute little curly black-haired boy named Gordy Littler. (laughs) That was my friend in kindergarten. And then in first grade, till partway through my junior high years, I spent a lot of time with my best friend, Val. I practically lived at her house. We wrote notes to each other. We sometimes wrote them in a special code we made up. And we would put notes in each other's mailboxes. Val was a good friend to me. I'm not sure I was good for her, but I know she was good for me. She rarely disobeyed. She always did her chores before play. Always kept her room clean. She was a straight-A student. But the one area I saw her disobey in is she hated meat. (laughs) She refused to eat it. And I sat at the table... And she sat at the table after supper for such a long time because she wouldn't eat her meat, which I, on the other hand, loved. So I would try, she would try to sneak it to me so I could help her get rid of it. <laughs> I wasn't teaching her good things. Also, she never killed spiders because they kill each other, in other they kill other insects in their web. And she would gently pick it up and put it outside. I, on the other hand, killed spiders. (laughs) I didn't. But I had to do it before she saw it, especially the ones in the house. But she did kill mosquitoes. And she also never threw her trash on the ground outside. 
I couldn't either, at least not in front of her. We would take our bikes to the gas station with our small change, and then we'd buy candy and then eat it on the way home. And if I threw trash on the ground, she would stop her bike, go in the ditch, and pick it up and then put it in her pocket. So she made me feel guilty, and I couldn't do it anymore. She was my best friend during those years and still is a very good friend. I had some fickle ones living on either side of me. And when they were fighting, they would play with me. But when they made up, hmm, I wasn't fun to play with anymore. It hurt, but I learned what a good friend Val was from my childhood on into my teenage years, and the Lord knew what I needed. She was one of my gifts from God, and we still are good friends today. But alas... um, When we think of friendships and people without friendships, loneliness in the world has reached epic proportions, especially after COVID. Just not just depression, anxiety, and suicide, which are at all-time highs right now, because the world doesn't doesn't uh, encourage friendships. They're just all about this and Facebook, and those are not really your friends. Um, but your friends can be on those things. But I, you can't say that these are... Would that person on Facebook in New Jersey come and help you if you've had a flat tire? Or if your basement is flooding with water? It's not the same. And besides um, all of those things at an all-time high... Cardiovascular problems, sleep deprivation, premature deaths are being linked to loneliness. Generation Z has to live with their phones at all times. FOMO, fear of missing out, is a new thing now. And it comes with all the technology that was supposed to make us more connected. But it did the opposite. God is a relational God, and we were made in his image Therefore, we are relational. God created us for relationships and friendships. The Lord gives us friendships to support us in what we face throughout life. The Lord oftentimes works through our friends, old and new, to encourage us, to help us, to show us his love, and to pray for us. And while we may not get to choose what we go through in life, But we can choose our friends who walk with us. Psalms 1, verses 1 and 2. Blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. In other words, blessed is the one who doesn't choose these kind of friends. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He loves the word of God, and thus he will be more likely to choose those who do. Good friends are a gift from God. Good friends are very important. They encourage us, and they can make us better people. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another. Good friends stick closer than a brother. Proverbs 18.24b says, Bad friends can drag us down to do things we may not have done otherwise. Teenagers would good, do good to heed this advice. 
1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Bad company corrupts good character. And a friend loveth at all times, Proverbs 17.17a says. And in our trials, we can get inverted, and our immediate response can be to hide it, try to handle our trials ourselves. And I don't want to tell anyone. I don't want to talk about it. I'll just go along by myself. Sometimes, even without God, we just try to figure things out on our own, our trials. But we're not meant to navigate through our trials single-handedly. We are meant to be supported through the Lord and through good friends. That is something I had to learn. And the Lord had to teach me when I found out I had cancer. It was so scary. I didn't want to tell anyone. But my sister-in-law, Terry, says you have to tell people. Don't go to your appointments alone either. Let your friends come with you. Let your friends help you through this. So I began to think about it, but I still said nothing. I thought, I can do this. And besides, no one else has time to go with me anywhere. And then one day, I drove myself to my biopsy. Oh, that was stupid. It was terrible. I, it was the hardest thing I've ever had to do. And when I got into the van, my husband John called me and says, let me drive you home. Just stay there and I'll come pick you up. No, I can make it, I said. And then it started to snow. And it was huge snowflakes and lots of it. And I drove the worst vehicle for driving in the snow, which is our big van. And it was slippery and I just white-muckled it home. It took me about one and a half hours to get home which usually driving from Hibbing only takes 45 minutes. I was so stressed and relieved to get home. I felt like the Lord was saying to me, are you done now? Tell people you need the support. Tell people because you need the support. And I was. From that day on, friends came out of the woodwork to encourage and offer rides to chemo, to, to appointments. And John came to all the important ones, but since I had one almost every other day, and John had to work, so friends started bringing me to my appointments. Terry was right. It was the best thing I ever did. And the Lord lifted me up and loved me through many people. It can bring me to tears how wonderful God was through my friends. The Lord loved me. I still had to go through everything, And there's fear in all of that. But the Lord came alongside so tenderly, so amazingly. And my first chemo appointment was four and a half hours long. I'll never forget it. I came home exhausted, feeling yucky and kind of carsick. So I laid on the couch to try to nap. And when the kids came home from school, they timidly walked over to me and asked me, "Uh, are you going to make supper tonight (laughs) well I didn't feel like it but I got up and I went downstairs to the kitchen and on the dining room table was fresh hot bread a hot casserole veggies and cookies for dessert wow food from the Lord I thought I called my kids downstairs and they couldn't believe it And I found out later that it was from my neighbor, who I hardly ever talked to, but the Lord put it on her heart that day, and she was done right at that time. And she told me, no one answered the door, so I just opened it and put it on the table. (laughs) 
Ah. And I felt the Lord had said to me, trust me, I'll take care of you through this. We need friends, Christian friends. Who are you going through life with? Trials are like armpits. Everybody has them. (laughs) Allow the Lord to be your friend and use your friends to support you. Have you ever stopped to think how the Lord has provided you through some, for you through someone else? Meals, encouragement, through a card or a text or a song or prayers or maybe just a listening ear. Friendships can be so supportive. Lasting friendships must be based on Christ's love for us for them to last and become deeper. John 15:12 says, And this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. The Lord is our greatest friend and gives us the best example how to be a good friend. He, he is a sustainer, a comfort to the burden, Matthew eleven twenty eight. It says, Come unto me, all you are la- who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and lowly of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is a friend to all and not a respecter of persons. Just need to grab a Kleenex. John 6.37 says, All that the Father gives me will come to me and The one who comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. And Jesus humbled himself as a servant to his friends. And John 13, 13 through 15 says, You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, Well, for you are right, for so I am. But I then, as your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet. You ought also to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done for you. And Christ, who is the ultimate example of a loving friend, gave his life for us upon the cross to pay for our sins and the sins of the whole world. And then he was buried, and three days later he showed his power over death by his resurrection. And this is the ultimate gift of friendship and love, which he extends to us all when we accept it by simple faith in his work as our substitute taking on the punishment that we deserve by believing in this act of love, we can have close fellowship with our Heavenly Father that empowers us to love and be a good friend to others. Sometimes we can make our greatest friend our enemy when we struggle in our circumstances, and it doesn't make sense. How can I trust a God who allowed this? And the pain and fear swarm into a vortex that sucks us down, and we don't understand it. I've had stage 3 breast cancer, and my husband was suddenly taken away by a heart attack. But I'm here to tell you, God's ways are past human understanding or thinking, thinking or reasoning. He can, if we choose to allow him and put our faith in his word, Show us his love more deeply than we can imagine. He can comfort us from the depths of despair. He lifts us up and carries us by his love, which shows, which he shows through others, 
circumstances, and his word. He's not a cookie-cutter God. How God will work in your life will be in a way that you wouldn't have ever thought of or could have figured out. Don't let your greatest friend become your enemy. What makes good friendship? A relationship with Jesus Christ and abiding in him. He wants to be our closest friend. He changes us for the better, and that affects others for good. In 1 John 4, 9, it says, In this the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. How are your friendships? Are you feeling lonely or hurt by them? Maybe you've had some rough friendships. Maybe you're just coming out of one. Or maybe you're kind of scared to open up to a new friend or get close to someone. Friendships are like marriages. They take work. Familiarity can breed contempt. When good friends get on each other's nerves, like roommates, for instance, you get pretty close when you're living together. And annoyances are start small, but they can really drive a wedge between your friendships. And some are, you know, because some are clean, some are not. Some like to cook, some don't. Some like to share their food, and some don't. And some play loud music, and others like it quiet. Even in church, as women can... We can step on one another's toes in different ministries, nursery, Sunday school. Maybe you do things differently than other teachers you work with. I was a messy and creative and sometimes late teacher. My Sunday school teachers that worked with me were on time, they were organized, and always cleaning up after me. But they said they were not creative or artistic, and I loved glitter, and they hated it. (laughs) And this just showed our differences. But we could work together as unto the Lord. And I loved working with them. And I think they liked working with me. Also, for example, in running the church nursery, it can be difficult, thankless job. You try to set up schedules for people to take turns, and oftentimes people cancel or don't show up, or you end up doing covering for people a lot. Um, This causes friction, irritation, and burnout. So in our situations, pray about help. Maybe for more people to sign up or the people that are signed up to be more dependable. And pray about your attitude. What are you doing this job for? Are you doing it for the Lord? Because that's what we should be doing our jobs for. And ask him to help you do it as unto him for his glory, not ours. And some friendships go through seasons. Sometimes friends drift apart because they're not like-minded anymore. That doesn't mean they can't be mended over time with the Lord. Remember, we're not in heaven yet, and we must extend grace, mercy, and forgiveness. We're not perfect, yet God loves us, and we all need to know someone cares. Because our friends are sinners just like us, and we need to choose our words carefully. In Proverbs 15, 28, the heart of the righteous studies how to answer. In Proverbs 20, 15, there is gold and a multitude of rubies, but the lips of knowledge are a precious jewel. Everyone's needs are different, too, and our solution for them may not be what they need or their solution. Friendships require forgiveness. Everyone's personalities are different and may come from from their upbringing, their home life, and what they were taught. 
Some are out there and they want everything on the table and they have to talk about everything straight on. Some have gone through things that make them pull into themselves and not talk. Some are insecure, and we all are to some extent, but they need a lot of reassurance. And some are tough, and they seem to have little time for emotional things. They just, and they might just be self-protective. Some have their heart on their sleeve, and others hide it to protect it. Some are a combination of these things, depending on their circumstances, and there's many more. If we want our friendships to continue and deepen, It's really important, especially with all the different personalities, to be able to admit when you're wrong. And even when you think your motive was right, sometimes you don't have to be right. Proving your point may cause more division, and just maybe the sacrifice is worth the relationship. It's really important to forgive as Christ forgave you. And sometimes with my third graders that I work with, to say I'm sorry is like pulling teeth, But to say you're forgiven is sometimes harder. Um, Women can harbor unforgiveness in relationships and friendships. Focusing on God's love for you, what he's done for you personally, humbles us and helps us to show love to others. I'd like to speak to some of our young women, teenagers, because teenage friends can be so difficult in friendships. The Bible has some sage advice in Luke 6.31, the golden rule. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. Proverbs 12.26, the righteous should choose friends carefully, for the way of the wicked leads them astray. How quickly this happens when peer pressure is involved. That is your red flag that your friends are bad, and if they pressure you to do stupid things, especially things they don't want your parents to know about. Proverbs 13.20, He who walks with the wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. Who are these wise people? Parents, godly aunts, uncles, Sunday school teachers, older young people who walk with the Lord? Another translation says, Choose godly friends, and you will become wise. Choose friends who do foolish things, and soon you will be doing those foolish things. And be a good friend. Romans 12.10, be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love in honor and giving preference to one another. Here's some examples of how a young woman can be a good friend. At school in the lunchroom, I've seen this. Kids, more and more, kids eat all by themselves. Someone's always sitting by themselves. Go over, introduce yourself. Ask them if they would like to sit by you and your friends. Or in Sunday school, a new girl comes into class, all nervous and everybody staring at them and not sure where to sit. Offer your chair or get a chair and bring it next to you. They will feel much more welcome if someone in class does that. So many teens feel that no one cares and that they don't belong. I've heard of one girl who is going home to kill herself because no one ever talked to her in school and she had no friends. She went to her locker to get her books and they all fell on the floor. And another girl came along and kindly helped her and said with a smile, have a nice day. Well, apparently that changed everything. She felt like somebody cared 
and changed her plan. A faithful friend is the medicine of life. Proverbs 17:22. A merry heart doth good like a medicine, physically, emotionally, and mentally. As you grow, your friendships should grow. They have the greatest influence on us. I have saved friends growing up, so I didn't do as many stupid things. I still did stupid things. But I loved my saved friends and their saved parents. I loved to be with them and just talk with them. Maybe because my parents were not saved, we as young people had a lot of burden for the unsaved friends because of all these talks and chats and prayed with them, prayed for them, invited them to church, Bible study, and young people's activities. We weren't perfect, but deep down we wanted to serve the Lord. We encouraged one another and lifted each other up. Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10. Two are better than one because they have good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. In verse 12, a cord of three strands is not easily broken. A loyal friend is of great value, but even the best of friends in the world doesn't guarantee a perfect friendship. We are all simply sinners saved by grace. Ecclesiastes 7.20 says, Indeed, there is not a righteous man on the earth who continually does good and never sins. So we need to humble ourselves before the Lord, confess our sin, and pray for areas we need to grow in so that we can show God's love and grace to our friends. Because we can be so different, we can hurt each other, and we need the foundation in Jesus Christ to be able to show mercy and grace. And the Lord can help us to support our friends because he is our strength, he is our wisdom, our comfort, our patience, our peace, and our teacher in our friendships. As believers, we all come from different walks of life and backgrounds, but because of our bond in Christ, we can have friendships that rise far above the world's friendships. Let's look at some biblical examples. In Luke 10, 38 through 42, Mary and Martha had different personalities. They both loved Jesus, and that was their bond, and their differences didn't make them less loved by Jesus. He understood them both. In a, let's turn to Psalm 139, 1 through 4. And I'll read it. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my downsitting and my uprising. You understand my thoughts afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down. And are acquainted with all my ways, for there is not a word in my tongue. Behold, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together. He understands us. And then there's the woman at the cross. Some we don't know, but others we know just enough about them to be able to say they come from very different backgrounds. Some may have never even crossed paths or talked to one another outside of Jesus Christ. In Luke 23, 27, a great multitude of people followed him and women who mourned and lamented him. Who are these women? Luke 8 has some names. In 8, verses 2 and 3, And certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom came seven demons, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, 
Herod Stewart and Susanna and many other who provided for him from their sustenance. Some had sustenance and wealth. In Mark 15, 40 and 41, at the cross, when Jesus breathed his last breath, there were also women looking from afar. And we know Mary, Jesus' mother, was there. And there were others, among whom were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, the less, and Josie and Salome. In verse 41, who followed him and ministered to him when he was in Galilee, and many other women came up with him to Jerusalem. They were from Galilee and now in Jerusalem, not their home, but they were followers of Christ, and that's what they had in common. They were close friends, and that's why they were at the cross and saw the crucifixion. And they saw Joseph and Nicodemus take Jesus' body away, wrap it up and bury it. They saw the soldiers put the stone there, and they mourned his death, yet wanted to give him a proper burial. But when Jesus was buried, it was too late. They had to wait till after the Sabbath, the third day. When that day came, the women went very early in the morning with their spices and fragrant oils that they had prepared. And in Mark 16.3, they said among themselves, Oh my goodness, who's going to roll away the stone from the door of the tomb? But the women knew about that. They didn't let that problem stop them from going. Sometimes we are, there are hard things in life, but friends and their support in Christ makes such a difference and it can give us courage. Though they were from different backgrounds, they loved the Lord, and together they had a determination to give Jesus' body a proper burial. And later they were astonished and greatly blessed as eyewitnesses of the resurrected Christ. The next biblical example I will talk about is Jonathan and David. An unlikely friendship, they were very different. David was a shepherd, Jonathan was a prince. Jonathan had his own armor. David had a harp and a slingshot. Jonathan grew up in the palace and trained in the art of war. David grew up in a little town of Bethlehem and was trained to tend sheep. Jonathan was the oldest son in line to inherit the throne. David was the youngest of eight boys and anointed to be the next king in place of Jonathan. Despite their differences, they were best friends. And we've all heard the famous story of David and Goliath. Then David took down the giant with only a stone and a sling. And at this point, the Lord put a special bond between them. Let's turn to 1 Samuel 17 and read about that. Verse 57. We'll go through 18, verse 4. Then, as David returned... From the slaughter of the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul. The head of the Philistine's head was in his hand. And Saul said to him, Whose son are you, young man? So David answered, I am the son of your servant Jesse, the Bethlehemite. Now when he had finished speaking, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. Jonathan loved him as his own soul, and Jonathan 
took him that day and would not let him, excuse me, Saul took him that day and would not let him go home to his father's house anymore. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, even to his sword and his bow and his belt. Jonathan loved David as himself. Jonathan knew David of David's anointing to be king, yet was not jealous. He even saved David's life when Saul wanted to kill him. When Jonathan and Saul died in battle, and most of Jonathan's family were killed also, then David came, became king, and he searched for all the survivors, any survivors of Jonathan's family. Then he found one, Mephibosheth, Jonathan's only surviving son who couldn't walk. And David had him moved to the palace and treated him as family. There he lived and ate at David's table. Even though they had very different backgrounds, they were bonded as friends. They both were warriors, they both were men of faith, and they served a living God. They were provided with courage and God-given strength, and they needed each other. Though they had different backgrounds, they had the Lord and served him. And the Lord caused the relationship to go deeper and rise above that of the world's ideals. God knows who you need in your life and brings you together in his providence. Friends come and go throughout your life. You may go through school and graduate, and the friends you make there are not always with you the rest of your life. They move away and they go to college. But the friends you usually have the longest relationships with are your church friends. They can be your age or any age, from elderly to 20-somethings. Age doesn't matter much in the church community with believers. We should all work together for the same goal and bring honor and glory to the Lord and spread the good news of the gospel and uplift and encourage one another in Jesus Christ. Once again, there are all kinds of personalities in the church. and We're not perfect, and the enemy is always trying to discourage believers and ruin the testimony of Jesus Christ. But if your goal is to humbly bring honor and glory to Jesus Christ and not ourselves— and to get to know him more, that should reflect itself in believers' love for one another and friendships because the focus is on Jesus Christ. And when we fail or someone hurts us, we can hopefully forgive where we may not have forgiven before or love whether they deserve it or not because that's what we see in Christ's love for us. And unfortunately, there's been times where people have left because of hurt feelings over what someone has said. Pray for them. Love them. Remember what... There, the spiritual battle for the hearts of men is raging, and without the love of God in our friendships, they will be fickle, shallow, and easily broken. Let's take a look at God's love. He loves unconditionally. Whether the person accepts it or not, he continues to love. He loves whether the person deserves it or not, he continues to love. He loves even if the person is thankful or not. He continues to love. His love doesn't have to be returned. He continues to love even while we were yet enemies. This is so high and lofty that it can completely discourage us. 
But God does not ask us to love as he loved in our own strength. But we can we can't even try. But we can concentrate on how he loves us and the word of God, what it says about him. That's all the Lord asks. And then he will make the changes. And The Bible says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The Lord will give you the truth of the word of God, and it will help, the Holy Spirit will help you to supernaturally love each other. In 1 Corinthians 13, it shows us how important this focus is. Verse 1, though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or clanging cymbal. Without love, there is emptiness in our words to our friends. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. Even if you are a Bible scholar and had all the faith in the Bible, even if you, you do all these things and you have not the love of Christ to our friends, it means nothing. And though I bestow all my goods, to feed the poor, though I give my body to be burned, and, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Though I work every Sunday in the nursery and bring three dishes to every potluck and clean the church two times a month and teach two, two Sunday school classes at Vacation Bible School and work at all three camps, if I have not in love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not end me. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. A true friend is patient and kind. She doesn't envy what you have or boast about what she has. She is not arrogant of herself more than she ought. Love does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked, easily provoked. A true friend is not rude, but instead puts others first. And she isn't upset easily. Love does not rejoice in sin, but rejoices in the truth. A true friend hurts when you hurt and does not rejoice in wrongdoings. She rejoices in honesty and truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. A true friend reminds us of God's love in our trials. They are patient to encourage our faith and hope in the truth of who God is. And she is patient with a listening understanding ear. Love never fails. In our hardest trials, our friend doesn't give up on us, as God never gives up on them. God is always faithful, even when we are not. God's love helps our perspective in our friends, and you can believe for your friend, even when they're struggling, and uphold them in their, your prayers. God's love never fails, We will fail our friends. No one is perfect, only God. But our friends will also fail us. But God's love can bring us through these rough times. So we need to bring our friendships to the Lord in prayer because none of us in this room on our own strength can fulfill 1 Corinthians 13 and love as God loves. And prayer seems like such a little thing, but it is a very important thing. We must not forget the power of prayer and take our burdens to the Lord and talk to him about it, every last detail. So then go to the, and then go into his words so you, he can speak personally to us. Then believe it and rest in it and watch God work.
In verse 13, now abideth faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is love, God's love. The most significant influence in our thoughts about friendship is our thoughts about Christ and how he loves us and how in turn we can express his love to others. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this, your word, and thank you how Jesus Christ is such a good example to us, and your love is so amazing and, and deep that we can't even comprehend it, and that your word reveals these things to us. Just pray that each one of these ladies could seek to know you and how wonderful your love is, as Paul says in Ephesians, the width, the depth, the height, and that we could comprehend how have you loved us so that in turn we could be comforted and comfort one another. Pray all these things and pray for safety on the way home. In Jesus' name, amen.